Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 7 of the Sam Dever Podcast. In this episode, I talk with Daniel J. Silva. Daniel is an actor, a teacher, an improviser, a translator, an interpreter. He does many, many things. He's a really cool guy. Uh, I met Daniel when I first came out to Los Angeles uh, through the acting community. Uh, we've had a lot of amazing conversations. Daniel's someone, uh, I've had a lot of good conversations in the realms of discipline and self-improvement. Taught me a lot about the acting business and uh, just all around um, a great guy to know. And we had been talking about doing a podcast for a while and the day finally came. We set it up. Here it is. I really hope you enjoy our conversation. Uh, the book of the episode is Jordan B. Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Uh, Daniel and I actually talked about this book on the podcast, but Jordan Peterson, someone I have been following for a while, and uh, my friend Julian actually got me this book as a gift. Thank you, Julian. And what I like about Jordan Peterson is he's really about self-accountability. It's not really about finger-pointing or blaming everything on everyone else, but really looking at yourself first. So if you're into that type of realm of self-improvement and perspective, Again, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Without further ado, let's get into the conversation with Daniel. Okay. Right. All right. right. I think that means it started. Welcome to the Sam Dever Podcast. Daniel, right. how are you, my friend? I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. This is, uh, thank you. This has uh, been a long time coming. Yeah, yeah, we've been talking about this for a while, and I'm glad we we just hey, let's set a date and let's do it, and and we did. Yeah, and you know it's funny. It's like it's amazing how the mind will try to talk us out of stuff. Yeah, you know, like we, I, I think I talked about this on the last podcast, or maybe I didn't. But you know, you get caught in analysis paralysis, or you mm-hmm. get caught in this thing. Well. well when the time's right. And there are certain circumstances when that is true, Mm -hmm. but then it's like, there is never a right time (laughs) most of the time. Yeah. Well, it's like people, I don't have kids, so I can speak from that experience, but it's sort of where parents, a lot of parents have to get to when they want to have their first child is like, come on, there's never really a time, a good time to have a kid, right? I mean, I mean, it's always going to be an inconvenience if you're, if you're only looking at the practical level of stuff, you know? But if you want to have kids, then have kids, you know? Yeah, that's true. Sometimes you just have to jump in and there's really, you know, no other way to go about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, as you said, there is a balance. You don't want to be crazy. And we, we have a saying in Spanish um, that it's called, it's... Um, we say tirarse a la piscina aunque no haya agua. It's like saying throwing yourself into the pool even if there's no water. So we, we like we mean like you don't want to jump in the pool when there's no water in the pool, right? Like there is a balance about jumping in but also doing things, um, I don't know, um, with with a little bit of with a little bit of rationality, right? <laughs> calculated risks maybe another yeah. realm people would talk about <laughs> yeah, yeah. but anyway <laughs> yeah anyway um so man it's good to see you good to talk to you i guess i yeah. guess maybe we'll start with the acting just because okay. that's how you and i first met let's start with the acting yeah <laughs> let's start with the I, you do a little bit of that don't you <laughs> a little bit yeah i know i know a little a thing or two but uh yeah no i remember you uh, early on because I met you right when I first came out to LA. Mm, that's uh, right. 
you know, we met through acting and, you know, early on, like, I remember you, we would have some good conversations and you were one of those first people that really painted the picture to me about trying to become an actor in Los Angeles professionally. Like I, Mm -hmm. you know, so many people come out here and even myself, I'm like, Oh, you know, you go out there and you just start acting and stuff. And you were like, one of those people like, well, you know, there's a process (laughs) to this and there's training and there's this and there's that. And you got to get management. I remember some of our early acting rehearsals we had, like you really educated me. I'm like, man, there's a lot to this. So. Oh, thank you. I mean, maybe share a little bit about your acting journey. Um, yeah, I mean, um, how do, where do I start? Short version, long version. <laughs> when I was a kid, um, my parents took my, I was only like six or so. My parents took my sister to an audition because someone had seen her and, and they thought she was funny and cute and she could be in commercials and that type of thing. So they were like, well, what are we going to do with Danny? Let's just bring him along. Right. <laughs> right. So this was back in Madrid in Spain. So, um, that's, that's where I was born and raised. So, um, I hopped along and I remember, um, there was this scene where I was supposed to be mopping and I was supposed to throw the mop in the floor. Say, I don't want to mop anymore. You, mf'er or something like that and i started laughing like oh i'm cursing you know that type of thing but um but for some reason they thought i was good (laughs) and and i think it was between me and some other kid but they told my parents that i would have to miss a lot of school and i was in the in the first grade at this point and my parents were are very conservative with, with certain things right so you're like no, he's not missing school, right? And that was that for a while. And then cut to 10 years later or so, my sister again said, we, we used to go to the same school, but she's my older sister, so I always kind of followed a bit in her footsteps. Um, said, you know, there is this elective of theater and it's really fun and you can get an easy A. Like, I would take it if I were you. Like, okay. And I took it and I had a blast. And for me, it was much more about getting much more than about getting an easy grade or passing. Like I really took it seriously, this play, right? That we did. And then it just grew from there. Then I uh, I came to California for a year and I started getting into improv and more acting lessons. And then I just took every acting lesson I could after school, you know. And and when I, when I got into college where it was, I studied communication, I got into a drama school in Madrid at the same time. So I would go to drama school in the mornings and I would do my university in the afternoons. So it was pretty intense, but it just grew and grew and grew. And then I thought, why not go to LA and pursue my dreams? I mean, if I wait any longer, I'm probably not going to do it. Just kind of like what we were talking at the beginning about waiting for the perfect moment. So, uh, so I just moved here. Yeah. I did it. Yeah, I think you, I think you remember, didn't that drama school you went to in, uh, you said Madrid? Yeah. It was pretty intense, wasn't it? I think I remember you telling me about that. It wasn't like a three-year program or something? It it was a three-year program. Yeah, it was called the Municipal School for the Dramatic Arts because it it belonged to the, it was sort of subsidized by the government and stuff. You had to do an exam to get in and all that. Yeah, I mean, it was three years, uh, five days a week, and we had movement and we had verse and we had um voice class and singing class one of the years and 
a lot and we studied all the classics. We even had a, a subject that was just studying the classics. It, it was, we had to read old plays, whether it was Shakespeare or um, classics of the Spanish literature like Calderón de la Barca, Lope de Vega. Uh, we studied Tennessee Williams and Arthur Miller and George Bernard Shaw and, and all that, you know? So uh, it was great. It, I, I had a blast. You had a little bit of preparation before you came out to Los Angeles. But but I mean, I still there was still quite a bit of a learning curve because none of none of my subjects were on camera. Okay, so when you came here, like it was brand new to you then. Yeah, I mean, my only on camera experience was from the commercials I booked back in Spain, and from doing little shorts with my friends in college and saying like, no, do less, not so big, you know, like, oh, okay, okay, I'll adjust. But I, like, I had never had an on-camera technique class. Your commercials are amazing, by the way. I was going to look that up. I went (laughs) back to your Instagram and I'm like, man, Daniel's done a lot of commercials. (laughs) And they're good. They're really good. They're funny. They're good. They're, so those were all overseas. You had done those. Yeah, yeah. It was my, my first commercial in Spain. it was for a, a big lottery um, company thing. And I was dressed as a chicken. And you know, the word for chicken in Spanish is pollo. So all my friends started calling me pollo. <laughs> and I, and I, I have some childhood friends that still call me pollo to this day. You know? <laughs> so that's kind of funny. And I'm so, I, I, now that we're on this stream of work, I've seen you, I, got, I had to bring it up. I forgot all about it. Was it called Bacon Bad? Bacon, yeah, Bacon Bad, yeah, <laughs> Bacon Bad. Could yeah. you for all, for any Breaking Bad fans out there? Could you like give a brief summary of what that project was? Because it's it was incredible. <laughs> yeah, I think it's still on on YouTube. You can find it. It's basically um, a parody of Breaking Bad. It, it was shot um, at the same time as the last season of Breaking Bad was wrapping up, and um, we I play Jesse right. <laughs> And um, and we just add bacon to the formula, so you'll have to see. It's it's uh, not I, bad. <laughs> they made like Tosh point oh, didn't it? Didn't you say it, it got on? Well, I did two. I did two different Breaking Bad parodies. Bacon oh. Bad was something I did with 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 some people that just did it on their own, like a spec project. And then because I had done Bacon Bad and I had that footage, maybe like. Two years later, so I was looking through the breakdowns and I saw the Tosh.0 needed a Jesse Pinkman lookalike or something. And and I just send them bacon bad. And they and they just gave me the part in all audition. I mean, what else do you need? It's like you, yeah. boom, I just did your work for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, so where is uh so let's bring it up to the present now. What what's and you've obviously been way more active. I haven't been active at all in any of the wow. acting stuff, but I just wanted to see what's it like out there? <laughs> what's uh, what's the state of things and what's, what do were you currently doing? And I also saw you're doing some type of live performances. Oh, you yeah. can maybe give us a snapshot of what's going on. Yeah. So basically a bit before the pandemic started, I joined this improv team. It's an all Spanish improv team called Impromundando. And if you look it up, it has that weird long name, Impromundando, because we do a play on words with mundo, world, making up a verb like impro, worlding, you know? Uh, And that's because there's seven of us and it's very diverse. So there's two of us that are from Spain. There's a Mexican person. There's an Argentinian person uh, and a Puerto Rican and two Colombians, you know? So um, 
and it's great. Uh, we were rehearsing live and we used to do different improv shows throughout LA. And then obviously the pandemic started and everything shut down. Um, and we decided to keep our rehearsals going via Zoom. And then we started doing shows via Zoom, publishing them on Facebook Live. So hmm. for a whole year plus, every single Wednesday, we did a show via Facebook Live, wow. an improv show. Yeah. And thanks to that, uh, we had some people starting to follow us in Colombia and in Mexico and in Peru and in Argentina. So we built a little bit of an audience because obviously, you know, they can just connect from their countries via Zoom and, um, and, and watch us live. And now, uh, last Wednesday, we did our first show back in person, you know. Wow. Did you guys stream it as well or was it just strictly in person? Uh, we took some videos that we're just going to use for promotional purposes because we don't have a, a, a good cut from beginning to end. But but that's the plan, actually, to also stream in so we don't lose this audience in Colombia and in Mexico and in Peru, you know. Wow. So that's kind of a almost a hidden blessing then, in a way. It, you it know. was. It was. Obviously, one prefers to do shows in person. You feel right. the energy and the laughs from the audience. Via Zoom is sort of like, I did this. Hopefully they like it and <laughs> moving on to the next thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it was a, a blessing in disguise because now there's people out there that know about us. So, yeah. Were there any, and you kind of just hinted on maybe one of the cons of it, but are there any, how did it strengthen your performative skills by going on purely online for a year? Like what were some things that, Oh, well, I've improved in this area because of this. Um, I think, it just helped us as a group because we were able to watch the shows. And that was actually my, one of my duties of the team was to rewatch the shows and give everyone notes. You know, I was, I was the bad guy. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, um, in that, you know, through reading notes and commenting, we, we got that we're getting better at that group thing. Right. Obviously now there's a little bit of a, a learning curve again adapting again to do shows in person but but we're much better um thinking as a team and performing as a team right mm. so that would be one and i think two is sort of an another on-camera technique training right because you're seeing yourself on zoom like you see your you see your frame and then you watch the show and you're like oh i'm i'm moving too much or or i'm not speaking loud enough or, or too loud or uh, my eyes are doing this thing or whatever, right? Yeah, no, totally. And it, it seems maybe that you, it would make sense because I guess if you're live all the time, obviously it feels good to be live and in person, but maybe mm -hmm. the Zoom caused, you were able to kind of separate yourself a little bit and look at it from a different lens. Yeah, and I think as actors, well, I think people in general hate their the sound of their own voice you know they hate seeing themselves recorded they're like oh my posture Ugh, what do i do with like uh, do i really sound like that it's it's difficult i i don't think any one of us i don't think it's natural for anyone to like the image of themselves when they see a recording right but it's necessary like you have to watch yourself to to get um tips you know i i was watching this interview of of kobe bryant Rest mm. in peace. Guess yeah, I'm, rest I'm a huge peace. basketball fan, right? Yeah. And and he was talking about I don't know if you know anything like when he retired, he was coaching his 
daughter's team and all that. And he was talking to this young girl in college who suffered a, I don't know, a devastating loss in the finals of, of what's, I don't know the college tournament name because I only follow the NBA. Was it the final four or? Final four, the final um of the NCAA? NCAA, the NCAA. So anyway, they suffered a loss and she was very bummed about it. And, and he asked her, did you watch the game? She's like, no, 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 no I, I can't watch that. Like, that's that's horrible. Like, I, I would say, it's like, well, I know it's uncomfortable, but you have to watch it because you have to see your mistakes, you know, and, and improve. So, so we try to apply that as much as we can, you know. I love that. I love that. And I also... Still hard to believe he's gone, man. Like how you'll drive around LA and you'll see the murals and everything. It's such a, such an amazing, not just a basketball player, but just human being in general. Inspired a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm one of them. (laughs) Uh, And piggybacking off what you said there, I I had an acting teacher tell me, he summed it up so brilliantly. Um, Because acting, I feel it's so, it's very easy to take things personally because it's you. It's like, no, we're criticizing you. Well, and they used to tell us, remember in class, take, uh, Chris, take things personally, remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, right, right. And uh, one of the teachers, it was actually uh, Mr. Carnegie said, I'll never forget this when he said it. He's just like, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said something along the lines, the second you can recognize your deficiencies, you can then take the steps to correct them. And I know that sounds really, really simple and, obvious but when you're caught in your head and you're caught in your ego when you're caught in oh this person just told me that i'm not you know it's like screw them they don't know what they're talking about but man if you can remove that and just look at everything like how can i get better how can i yeah you you can't be afraid of the truth right yeah uh and and that's something that's really limited me um for years maybe it still does now to to a degree which is not wanting to think about certain things, not wanting to face them because it's just too stressful, too, too difficult. You know, it, it, it's kind of like the person who's super overweight and doesn't want to, um, they don't want to measure themselves or they don't want to weigh themselves. Right. Mm. Because it's just too traumatic, too, too painful. But as they say, what gets measured gets managed. Right. So <laughs> if you don't measure something, then you can't see, your tiny little progress and that's the other thing if you can see like let's let's if we keep going with the analogy of weight right you may not see any changes in the mirror for a long time but if you weigh yourself and you see that the scale the number is going down or the number is going up if you want to build muscle or whatever the case may be you're like oh wow i am making progress but you wouldn't know that you're making progress unless you measured it right yeah, I, I feel that way, you know, especially with the injury I've gone through the past year. It's oh, like you don't notice it yeah. every second of the day. Uh-huh. But then when, yeah, you do on a weekly, monthly basis, you're like, oh, wow, I'm farther along than when I was <laughs> yeah. back then, you know. And even if it's just a little bit, you're still farther. And you can't really tell that or it's hard to tell if you don't keep a record of, of some. Correct. Of, yeah, of somehow. Yeah. I love this already. There's already like <laughs> 10 clips I can grab. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. All right. Got Here's a, a good wealth That's bank right. of info here. <laughs> um, so yeah, when uh, we were talking a little before we started recording, and again, thanks for the Zoom tip. Uh, I know you yeah. said you're pretty well versed in Zoom, and one of those 
areas besides acting you've used it in, you also do some teaching. Yes. I was wondering if maybe you could give us some perspective on maybe what exactly you teach and what's teaching been like for you during this time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I teach Spanish. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, I was born and raised in, in Madrid, Spain, but my mom's American, so I always grew up bilingual. And, um, you know, teaching, even when I was in back in college in Madrid, I used to teach English, just tutor for extra cash. And when I moved here, I started teaching Spanish. And, you know, it just started as a, as a survival job, something I could do to make a few bucks. But um, it grew and grew, and and my interest in it and my love for it grew and grew as well. So I'm very fortunate because I love teaching. Otherwise, it would be pretty miserable, right? Having to to do something every week that you don't like to do just to be able to be in LA and do acting. But but I really like it. And most of my students are adults. I have a few groups, and through teaching, I have I work with a company that gets me students and stuff i've been also able to do some live translation jobs live interpreting jobs you know which was pretty scary in the beginning <laughs> but uh but i did it once they were happy with me they called me again and again and again and now i, I do it pretty uh frequently as well wow now is that separate from the acting realm, that's or separate is that from the acting yeah so acting is, I'm in the same camp as everyone. I, I, I try to get auditions. When I get them, I, I do my best and hope for the best, right? Yeah. And, and so there's the acting, the auditioning portion. There's the improv, which we do. It's our own thing. There's the teaching. And on top of the teaching, there's the live translation, live interpreting. Yeah, you know, it kind of, it moves me. I don't want to get... I want to talk more about your teaching, but it seems to me like you found a good balance in your life. You know, you, you love acting, you're really good at it. You work really hard at it, but you also, you know, are like, Hey, I'm doing all I can in this, but there's another part of my life and, you know, mm -hmm. paying bills and doing all this other life mm -hmm. stuff that you got to do, but you found, have found, I don't know. It seems that you found like a nice balance with life and you, you know, you're very cultured. You come from a different country. you I think you're into music, aren't you? And a bunch of other things. So Yeah. Well, hopefully I found the balance. I think the balance is something that you can, you can never say, I found it. I'm good. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you're, you always have to be tweaking. And as soon as you think you, you are balanced, like, whoop, but don't forget about the acting. That's the main, the main reason you're here. Right. Or don't forget, or whoops, now bills are piling up and you know, you're, you haven't been as disciplined. So yeah, it's it's always a constant uh, challenge, but but I am happy with my life in, in that sense. Music, um, yeah, I play guitar. Uh, I have a Spanish guitar over there. <laughs> you can see the Spanish guitar and an electric one. I play when I can. That's another thing that in that balance I've neglected a little bit lately. Uh, playing more, learning new songs. Um, it would be very, very generous to call me a musician. I'm not a musician, but but I, I'm a huge fan of rock and roll. I mean, I lots of bands. Uh, I love guitar, the sound, playing. Yeah, I love it. Is that something you grew up doing in Spain? Um, well, no, I started when I was 16. Okay. Yeah. 16 was kind of a magical year for me because it was basically the year I 
got more into acting 15 to 16 and guitar. So I kind of found my own. So the arts just yeah. like hit you at once. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> it's like sold. Um, one last question about teaching. I was going to ask you, what, what yeah. do you like most about it? Um, what do I like most about it? Try to keep this short. <laughs> it doesn't have to be the thing. Maybe yeah. just take one well, of the things you like. I'm most. fortunate to work mostly with adults, so they want to learn. They're paying to learn. They they don't have ah. to be in there, right? That's interesting. And and I love seeing the the progress in my students and how excited they get about learning more with the good ones, right? And and doing more. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of my journey starting with acting mm -hmm. and how many questions I would ask all my teachers, you know, I would drive them crazy with all of those, <laughs> with all those questions. So I don't know. It, it's, um, it's hard to explain one or two things. I just kind of enjoy seeing that they get it and they progress and they, they notice that they can feel that they're progressing and they get excited about it. So it's kind of an upward spiral versus a downward one. Right. Yeah, that's, it's I was having a talk with someone and not necessarily like in a classroom setting, but it does seem the older you get, like you were told certain information when you're younger and yeah. you know, you're just kind of like, ah, you know, whatever. <laughs> but now when you get older and you get into reading and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, self-improvement and things like that, you're like, oh yeah, like, give me more, give me more, give me more. You're like thirsty for it. So that's interesting. You said that, that you're dealing with people that are proactively wanting this mm -hmm. uh, service that you're offering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I think it came pretty naturally to me because my mom's a teacher and my sister is a teacher and my grandma used to be a teacher and my grandpa as well. So wow. it must be somewhere in the blood, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think actors, not every actor is a good teacher or likes to teach, but I think there's a little bit of an overlap in terms of one wanting to express yourself and wanting to be understood, you know? Yeah. I, I think the best actors are the ones that are generous in, in terms of in, in the scene, they want to, they want to give everything to their partner. They want their scene partner to shine and they want to really communicate the ideas of the text, not just say it to, you know, look pretty on camera or on stage and, and, and sound cool like well this is me saying words in a very interesting way like no you want to you want to reach that other person with your words you know with your ideas and and when you're teaching you're doing the same thing like you really want your student to get it hopefully if you're a good teacher yeah you just don't want to shout things it's it's a dance right like it's a communication dance same with acting same with just communication in general well yeah it's like if you're my way to see it is most of the time or ideally you're not talking just to talk you're talking to communicate something mm. right so, yeah i mean you, you can apply that to both acting and and teaching right yeah and it reminds me too of uh it's not the same thing but when it comes to listening i was i was reading something today and it just reminded me of how many people uh talk they're, they're not really listening. They're just waiting for their turn to talk. <laughs> that's that's kind of like the opposite end. Like you may be trying to communicate through something. And if someone's shut off, 
and they're not hearing anything, you, you know, you're never going to takes takes two to tango, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the exciting thing as well. Right. I mean, I think um, you and I have learned this in doing Meissner work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if a scene has a text and stage directions and a director and rehearsals and all of that, there's still quite a big of an element of improvisation, mm. right? Because you you don't know what's going to happen, and you should be able to react to know what's going to happen. If if you knew how everything is exactly going to go, then then you would everything would just be boring, <laughs> right? Yeah, and you have way more stage experience than I do, but I was lucky enough before the pandemic to get, you know, a few rounds of stage in. At well, you get quite a bit. You you were at Playhouse longer than I was, so. Yeah, and you also went to a bunch of other places. <laughs> involved. Yeah, but you. <laughs> right, right. But, but anyway, in my own experience, it's one thing. Um, shout out to Wolf. <laughs> shout out to Wolfgang Bodison because he really taught me yeah, what the feeling of the stage can be like and exactly what you just said. It's like, oh, we're just going to do the same thing every single night. It's like, no, you have like this outline that we got to follow. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you don't know what's happening in between the outline. <laughs> like it can be a completely different experience each scene, each night, each whatever, but that's the fun of it. It's you know, when, when you more you build your confidence doing that, the more it's fun to go out there and yeah, out the plane with the, know that you got your parachute. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like someone, you know. Yeah, you still don't know what's going to happen, but you you are just more confident that whatever it is, you'll be able to handle it, right? And I think that's what happens when you do improv and when you've been doing improv for a while. Of course, it's still going to be improv. You know, it's not like oh, through these many years of improv, I have all these tricks that I know I'm going to do. <laughs> this thing. Like, no, that, that's not a good way to do improv, right? You want to be open to whatever happens, but you're just more confident that you'll be able to handle it. Mm. I had, um, I did this workshop with Larry Moss. Do you know about him? Yeah, I got his book. You're the one that told me about his book, The Intense oh, Live. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah, probably. It was probably me. I don't know if it was somebody else, but yeah. Yeah, and I've done several workshops with him. And the other day, for whatever reason, I was going over my notes. And I remember he said he was talking about um, Geraldine Page, who studied with Uta Hagen for eight years. And Uta said about her student, Geraldine Page, um, to the class, she said, do you guys know why Geraldine is the best actress here? Uh, the best actress is better than anyone here, including me. And they're like, why? And she said, because she's not, now I'm, I'm butchering the quote, but she said, uh, because she's, ex- she's not performing on stage, she's exploring. She's doing an exploration on stage. Uh, yeah so I, I thought that was very interesting uh, i think someone said too one time that's a dope story um they said if you want to watch true acting or the best at it watch mm-hmm. a cat uh, now i'm butchering this but it was something along yeah the yeah I, I know it, it, watching the cat go across the stage because the cat isn't concerned that you're watching it the cat's exactly. just being a cat there's no other, whereas we get up there, 
it's like, all right, there's an audience and I'm going to do this at this. And, you know, as opposed to just letting it all go and just explore. I love that story. Yeah. And, and I think um, what my personal experience, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate is, especially when you're doing comedy, um, have you realized that when you know there's a joke coming and you're sort of expecting the laugh, part of you is like, ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. And you, and you're kind of ex, you're kind of waiting for the response and it doesn't it doesn't work or it falls flat right yeah but other times you're not thinking you're saying something funny you're more in the reality of the scene like you know like I said earlier like communicating the ideas to to the other character or to the other actor and then all of a sudden you hear laughs you're like oh this is pretty good but <laughs> but you you can also but you have to be careful not for that to throw you off the moment right you you have to stay in the scene. So, so when you're doing improv, I mean, you, you really have to be unattached to it all. I mean, not that you should like, you know, it's cause you don't know it's all improv, right? I mean, you don't. Yeah. We, well, we have certain structures, so yeah. it's not improv, like a hundred percent just go. Like we have certain games that we know how the game works. Okay. And we have certain techniques in terms of in this game, normally this is almost funny every time. So for example, I don't know. Do you know how much improv have you have done or do you know? I haven't done a lot of it. I've definitely watched a good amount out here, like going to shows and stuff. Uh, I personally haven't really done too much training with it at all. Oh, well, I, I did the UCB training and all that. But like, for example, you, you, you ever saw the, the, the program Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of games sort of like that. Right. And one of the games they did and one of the games we do is called the, uh, the translator or different language or something. Normally someone speaks in a made up language, right? Gibberish. And there's someone translating what he or she says, right? And then, so a technique that could be an example of something that almost always works is the person in gibberish says something very, very long, like, and then you just translate, yes. Or no, and then most of the time people find that funny, right? So, <laughs> so, so that would be an example of something you you like. You kind of know it works, yeah, right. But it's still improv in terms of there's no script to be learned. You know, there's no words that you learn in advance. You just know that you have to do a certain thing in a scene, right? So it's kind of like a tool in your tool belt, yeah, type of thing to pull out. And maybe okay, now might be the time to let's let's pull this one out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, obviously it's improv because I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what he or she is going to say, right? We don't know how long the scene is going to go for. But yeah. Yeah, and this, and this, this is starting to lead me into what I, something else I wanted to talk to you about. Um, one thing about moving to Los Angeles uh, that I am very grateful for is meeting so many people, but meeting so many people from not just across the country, but from around the world. You being mm -hmm. one of those people. Mm -hmm. You know, because I, I didn't grow up. I grew up in the United States. I haven't really traveled outside of here. My experience is basically talking. Worldly experience comes from meeting people that have been worldly. And mm -hmm. I got a couple things. But just uh, with staying on the improv, I'm like, wait, you're, you're doing this all in Spanish, correct? Yeah. So what is it like? And is Spanish your primary language? Yeah. So that was the thing you learned first. Yeah, I'm more comfortable in Spanish than I am in English. I've done improv in English when I went through the UCB program, uh -huh. but I, I feel a little less comfortable doing it in English than doing it in Spanish. 
See, and that's insane to me because you speak very good English <laughs> and obviously very good Spanish. So what is it? I guess I'm just curious. What is it like to switch between doing it in Spanish, what acting or improv or whatever, then switching over to English? Is it just like switching out a template for you or is it like an entirely different experience? Um, switching to, well, that's a great um, question. I, I think through most of my life, I've been switching a lot. So when I speak to my mom and my, or my sister speaks to my mom with my sister, my sister and I always speak in Spanish to each other, but my mom and I mostly speak in English and my dad and I always speak in Spanish. Right. So I've been switching through most of my life. So sometimes I don't really know what language I'm in, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I, I like to, when I, whenever I watch a, a show, I, I, like to have the subtitles because it bothers me when an actor mumbles and I can't understand and I have to, I have to uh, put it back. So normally I watch it in English with subtitles in English, but sometimes it's been five minutes or, or 10. And until I realize I've been reading subtitles in Spanish instead of subtitles in English, you know, wow. or, or I was doing a, a, a translation gig the other day and I was supposed to translate English to Spanish and I think for some reason I started talking in English and they're like, Oh, uh, Mr. Daniel was like, Oh, sorry, wrong language. <laughs> and I started speaking in Spanish. So sometimes that happens, you know? Wow. That's, see, that's a totally different, I mean, from someone who doesn't speak a second language, it's just, wow. It's like so many things are challenging in one language, but to not just you, Oh, I speak a little, no, you like speak too fluent, <laughs> not just speak yeah. it, but you perform it and act it. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was lucky. I was very lucky because a lot of it had been given to me since, since birth, you know, really uh, something that I, it's funny. Like when I start having these conversations again, especially because we haven't talked in a little while is yeah, yeah. there's another gym you gave me about acting. I'm going to tell you about uh -oh. you gave me the <laughs> tip. And I did, especially during this past year where I've watched a lot of pilots, you, you're the one that told me, Hey, if you want to, see why great shows are great shows go and watch their pilots you had told me that oh really did yeah I you did yeah <laughs> oh, sounds, I, I don't even remember it sounds like and, me, and you're but, spot yeah. on you're spot on because all these shows like for instance i i watched the uh eric and i actually watched the sopranos pilot i had never seen sopranos oh yeah i watched That's the sopranos good. pilot and i'm like of course <laughs> yeah i see why they set it up uh so just that's just a random <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I, Daniel I, tip. I have completely <laughs> forgotten that I said that. So thank you for teaching me that in return. You know? <laughs> yeah, because one of the things that when you and I would have like weekly, biweekly calls sometimes. Well, that's right. Uh, you, you had told me like one thing you were working on at the time for your acting was dedicating yourself to watching like, I don't know how many it was, but it was maybe a few times a week you'd watch uh, like a half hour pilot um, mm. Mm. just to study why. You know, if you go watch like why some shows became huge shows, like let me let me see what got that picked up. Like what was it? Like the Breaking Bad pilot, for example, oh, yeah. phenomenal. You know, <laughs> I mean, you just mentioned probably my two favorite shows of all time with Breaking Bad and Sopranos. Really? <laughs> well, yeah, um, they're guess, probably yeah. both in the top three or top four. Yeah, Better Call Saul is pretty good too. If you've ever watched, oh, I saw a little bit of the first season. Um, 
it didn't grab me, but I was watching it on the plane. So maybe I need to give it a, <laughs> maybe I need to give it a, a more of a shot. Uh, but yeah, obviously the same creator, Vince Gilligan, right? Breaking Bad is a true masterpiece. I'll never forget watching that season, in my opinion, that season finale and thinking like, what else do I want? What else do I want? And, and of course they did the spinoff with Jesse. Uh, oh, the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool. But that, the way it all went down, I think it's been out for a long enough time, people, if spoiler or not, like just the way that ended yeah, with Walter cool. White, I'm like, it was so poetic. <laughs> just yeah, like, yeah, it was <laughs> It's phenomenal writing. I mean, you. I was satisfied. The, those type of shows are—they only come around once in once in a in a blue moon, you know. What's interesting too is watching Sopranos. I noticed it's crazy. We're talking about these two shows. I made the comment, and maybe Vince Gilligan did or he didn't. But I noticed Sopranos use certain camera angles that are very Breaking Badish, very Breaking Badish, like these far away diagonal. Well, it would be the other way around, though, because Sopranos came, came out earlier. That's what I mean. Uh, oh, oh, so, oh, I, yeah, yeah. Or you would maybe, say Breaking Bad would show shots that are very Soprano. Breaking Bad might, I guess, uh, Breaking Bad might have been influenced somewhat. Yeah. Cinematography-wise by Sopranos. By the Sopranos, yeah. yeah. Could have been. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's it. I'll, I'll keep my eyes peeled for that if I, if I ever rewatch Breaking Bad, you know, or Sopranos. Yeah, well, but everyone watch Baking Bad first. Bacon, Bacon Bad, yeah. Bacon Bad first. That's, that's and that, that and the episode with Todd was called, well, it's a fart porn. <laughs> <laughs> so but watch Bacon Bad or fart porn and you'll see me saying, cursing a lot. <laughs> Can we curse on your podcast or no? Absolutely. Okay, so you'll hear me saying, bitch, a lot of times. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Mr. White. <laughs> Mr. White. We can't. Uh, <laughs> uh, one topic I definitely wanted to go into, uh, we talked, you know, about you being bilingual, but growing up in Spain, growing up in that, I have had so many, and I've never been, but I've had so many people tell me, like, man, Europe is amazing, but dude, Spain, like Spain and Greece are like the two places people are like, you got to go to those two places. Could you maybe give us a little insight to what it was just like? growing up in a place like that you know yeah i mean it's it's kind of interesting to me uh how i am perceived or was perceived because in growing up in spain you know spain especially when i was growing up in madrid it's a lot less diverse than a a city like los angeles right so pretty much everyone is spanish or other right you don't have a, a lot of diversity of race, uh, cultural, et cetera, et cetera. So my sister and I were the bright blonde kids. Uh, I was super blonde and she's a redhead. So everyone always assumed we were from someplace else and they, they would always ask us if we were British, if we were Russian, if we were German, because we didn't look Spanish, even though nowadays that doesn't apply anymore because everyone is mixed up everywhere, right? So it's interesting how, and even some friends of mine will call me the American and and, and in a good way, I didn't, I didn't take offense or, or, or anything like that, but I was always seen as the, the American or the one that looks British or German or or just not Spanish, right? Not fully there. And they would, and they would always say, man, you like all these American, American music and American movies. And, and, And then when I come here, 
I'm the Spaniard or the European, <laughs> you know? So it's always like, I'm a little bit different than, than where I am, you know? So that, that was part of my experience. And then I don't know, what did you want to know in terms of more general, how life is there? Maybe what might be a better way to, uh, maybe a comparison from. Oh, a comparison like about how people behave there. Versus here, yeah, maybe. Cause the one thing I've always heard about, Spain in particular, and obviously correct me on any of this, if it's any of this is out of place, but uh, way more laid back. Like I've had a lot of people tell me it's way more laid back where America mm -hmm. were this work, work, work culture, work to the bone, hustle, hustle, mm -hmm. hustle, where Spain and maybe some other European countries have more of like, hey, you know, we work hard, but we also enjoy life at the same time at a slower pace. Um, yeah, I've always heard that. So is that any truth to that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I think Spaniards value se comfort, security, and just having fun, mm. right? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them work really hard as, as well, but um, it's a very, very social um, culture. So especially at certain ages, to not go out on a Friday night or Saturday night is unthinkable. <laughs> you know <laughs> so yes you you have to study you have to do your homework you have to work and all that but you need but you know you need to uh go out on friday or go out on saturday and, and make plans like that you know and i don't think americans think that way for the most part mm -hmm. right i i i don't know i mean when i was in spain i was very very critical of Spanish culture and I was very very admiring admiring of American culture and then living here has made me appreciate more things about where I came from right mm. so yeah um people are very social they love to talk they love to dance they love to go out have a beer drink um something I I admired more liked more about coming here was that the diversity because in, in spain people are very much the same in a lot of things you know again now it's different with the expansion of the internet and, those, and all that but when i was growing up when i was a kid it's like everyone saw the same channels on tv everyone went on vacation to the same spots everyone studied similar majors in college if they went to college and had similar jobs and just drove similar cars and everything was very much the same, you know? So thinking out of the box was difficult at times, you know? So that's kind of, um, and, and it must not just be a Spain thing. It must be a European thing because I heard Arnold Schwarzenegger in interviews when he would talk about Austria, that he had a similar criticism for, for people in Austria for that, you know? Really? Whereas here is like, you could be completely different than your neighbor, right? In, in yeah. every single way. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think it's all good or all bad because I think when there is that commonality, it also gives people more things to talk about and to have in common when they first meet, you know? Mm. So I don't know, maybe there's a balance there. Yeah, and I guess... I mean, I don't know. I've, I've, I've been so about the present moment as of late, especially just uh, funny with Meisner training. They teach you all about being present. Mm -hmm. Me going through an injury and doing all the spiritual work and realize 
everyone comes back to being present. I'm like, man, Sandy Meisner really, really had some life philosophy there. So I, I guess when I ask this, when I say long term, mm-hmm. uh, could you see yourself moving back over that way someday? Or do you see yourself going back and forth? Back to living in Spain? Yeah, back to living in Spain or anywhere Maybe, else. yeah. Maybe because um, it depends on, obviously, it depends on my career, where it takes me. And it depends on if I want to form a family, right? Mm. And if I do, which which is something I do when I do one day, it would maybe make more sense to do it back home because my parents are there and my sister is there. And, you know, I would want my kids to be close to their grandparents, right? And also, um, I, LA is a very expensive city. And, you know, to be to think about buying a house or, or whatever the kid needs in terms of school and stuff, I mean, the cost would be, I, I haven't even sat down and calculated, but it would be astronomical, probably. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, you, can, you have to be rich just to, like, have a kid, right? In Los Angeles, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't mean it has to be in LA. It could be a different part of the U.S., but that those are two big factors where it would probably make more sense if I wanted to raise a family in Madrid, you know? And also, I think, look, L.A., it's a wonderful city where you could meet in, in some ways it's wonderful. In some ways, it's terrible, maybe like where you could meet people from all over. And it's great that you, as you said, meet people from all over the world. You're always learning stuff and people are following their dream. And there's a certain energy that it's yeah. contagious about that, which is great. And it, we have ex- excellent weather. Right. But it's I think it's hard to find a, a partner here. I mean, that's a Power whole other, other can of worms that we could learn, that we could open, right? You just opened it. Because <laughs> whatever I had on yeah. the list is gone. <laughs> yeah, it's open. It's open. <laughs> it's I have open. had this talk with several, both female and males alike. And I was one of those that, I, I won't go off on that soapbox. Let's, I'm going to stay grounded with this. Someone had told me, they said, Los Angeles is a very lonely city for single people. And at first I'm like, what are you talking about? It's greater LA metro area. It's like 20 million people, LA County, like all that. It got everything here. But then they explained to me, and this was in their opinion. <clears throat> I've never been to New York City, but from people I kn- know that from there and this, the way they describe it to me, it's it's a lot more, maybe communal would be the right word. You're, you're pre-pandemic. You run into people more, right? Yeah, you're housing, you're in big buildings with people, you're walking everywhere, you're running into people constantly, you're taking public transportation. Where LA, you're more spread out. You're driving yeah. to places. Um, yeah, you're in your little bubble of your apartment, your car. Yeah, and then with that too, with what I totally agree with you on, I think for an artist, and not that artists can't go, there's so many artistic cities, but LA is definitely up there. I don't know if I call it Mecca. But it's, I mean, for an artistic energy, it's unlike anything, you know, I've experienced to some degree. But mm-hmm. with that, when you have people going for their dreams and people that have sacrificed everything to come here, they're focused. Mm-hmm. They're laser focused on what they're doing. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of, uh, and I've fallen, I've fallen into the same trap too. It's like, oh, why don't I have a girlfriend or this, that, and the other? It's like, well you look, look at your skin, look what you do all the time. It's like, you don't have, you're not making room for that. Yeah. It's not like that was done on purpose. It just kind of naturally happens. So I'm just curious to get your insight 
to this city and out maybe outside of the acting world and maybe into like dating out here and trying to find a partner well yeah because for me um like i've dated well <laughs> briefly i've dated actresses and not a- and non-actresses or people who are not in the industry you know and you know i think because of the way i grew up i i didn't grow up surrounded by artists not at all i mean my my mom enjoys singing and my great aunt was an opera singer but but it wasn't an artistic household or an artistic um in terms of doing it for a living and all that it wasn't an artistic neighborhood or a city and i i grew up around it's it's very hard to describe it normal people right it, everything was very normal everything was very it was so sort of a working class neighborhood right um so i didn't meet a lot of other actors i didn't meet a lot of um other artists so i'm kind of used to that i guess normality and i think that it would have its advantages to let's say have a, a serious girlfriend that was an, an actress as well because we would help each other and stuff but also you you kind of want some perspective right you want someone maybe who doesn't do that and maybe keeps you grounded in a different way in terms of there's more to the world than the act than the film industry right and then what happens in LA is that when you want to date um civilians when <laughs> you call it civilians in that in that sense right is that you know they're probably a lot of them kind of skeptical about dating an actor because our our industry is so unstable that you're probably not number one on their priority list to date someone who has an un- unpredictable schedule and unpredictable income coming in or lack thereof right So then you find yourself in this thing is like do I only date actresses and just keep myself in that little bubble or when I say actresses it could be writers directors right. but you know um or or do I kind of fight against that obstacle of a, a negative stereotypes about actors that apparently there's a lot of them out there you know <laughs> So maybe that's one of the reasons why it's hard to find someone at least maybe that's been my experience you know I had the other day I was just matched with someone and 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 it was on Bumble so she started talking to me and oh you, this this is a very cute picture uh what brought you to LA and I said acting no more no more replies <laughs> that was it <laughs> this disappeared <laughs> I, I I had a girl yes uh tell me and, and see it's the ones that were born and raised out here that know too like it was going great like going great full conversation we're on the phone talking yada yada planning a meetup and then i told her i was involved in acting she was oh you so you're an actor and i said well you know i said it's one of the things i do and she's like so you're an actor <laughs> and i go yeah well yeah i i, I guess yeah and she's like she's like yeah I, i'm sorry I, i i don't date actors and like i caught myself I'm like well i i do other stuff like you know this and the other and she's just like sorry and she goes it's not personal she was very like professional about it she's just like it's not personal i have exp- i've i used to work in the entertainment industry i've mm-hmm. dated a lot of it's just something i don't do and what's interesting that was a couple of years ago at least mm-hmm. the more you get involved in it the more you see like what actors go through and dedication it takes and this and the other there's there's that moment where i'm like i get it <laughs> like, yeah i can I mean, get it's it. not their i can fault. understand like it's not their dream it's your dream you know right and um 
Yeah, I, I find it better now uh, to just be upfront from the beginning and put it on my profile. I'm an actor and stuff. And it's not that I want to be talking about acting 24-7, you know, but I, but I do want to make it clear because the sooner they find out, the sooner they either accept it or, or reject it, you know? Isn't it crazy if someone didn't, if they just jumped into our conversation to hear what we're talking about, they go, oh, what are they about to reveal to someone? <laughs> like, I'm an actor. Oh, I'm an actor. There's a dark secret. Oh my God. <laughs> I should do an experiment like, um, you know, I'm a criminal. I'm a, I'm a garbage man. No disrespect to garbage man. I'm a this. But worse than all, <laughs> I'm an actor. Oh, I could take everything else. I could take anything else, but not an actor. But not that. And, and I'm with you too. Like if I met the right woman, and she was an artist of some kind, like great. But I, I too want, I, I want a balance in my life as well. Like it would be nice to have someone that uh, is outside of all this and that just, I don't, I don't regular is not the right word, but just does other things, <laughs> does other yeah. things. And you guys kind of come together and yin and yang. Well, and I think also, and I don't know if this would be the case, but I think if you date an, uh, an actress who is also doing it in the same fashion as you, like trying to get agents and auditions and all that, there could be an element of competition between the two, or there could be an element of jealousy where one is getting work and the other one isn't, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't know, you don't want to be talking 24 seven about casting directors and, and agents <laughs> and managers, you know, like it's just like, if I were to have a kid, I wouldn't, if the kid decides that they want to act, I would support them and maybe teach them a few things, but you want your kid to have a normal childhood and just play, not not um, take it, take them out of school to go to different auditions and always start to worry about that when they're six, you know, or younger. And for some of them, it worked out, but yeah, yeah but it I, worked out. Well, we see it worked out in sense of maybe they're getting work and getting money, but we don't know how it worked out for their health, you know, <laughs> health or their happiness, mental health, you know or discovering who they are. And I, I always thought like if I were to have kids, I would want to just expose them to a bunch of things, like just introduce them, like introduce them and see what they like, but not give them, you know, a drum set and say, you are going to be the next <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, prodigy you're, drummer. It's like, no, yeah. play with the drum set. Maybe they like it. Maybe they'll play the drums. And if they don't like it, all right, Hey, here's, here's some paint. You want to yeah. paint? Well, it seems totally unrealistic that you can force another human being to do what you want to do. It's kind of, it's like parents that force their kids to be actors. It's horrible. It's like the ones that want push them to be athletes, you know, and it's like, yo, you need to train four or five days a week and maybe you want to try other sports, but no, 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 no. We're just going to focus on soccer because you're going to be a soccer star or you're going to be a basketball star. Yeah. And the kid resents that, you know? Probably. I don't know. I've never done it, but it's, it makes <laughs> no, sense. Yeah, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we're getting, you know, we're getting to almost that mark, but I have a, actually okay. a, one thing in the realm of de dating. I'm just curious to get your <laughs> And again, you're talking to a guy who not only really didn't do any during the pandemic, but especially with an injury this past year, I haven't done anything. So mm -hmm. for those of you that are out there, <laughs> Is online dating still the way people, most people are doing it? Or I guess one thing I am making a point to myself is like, man, I really want to conquer this inner, I call it a demon inside of myself mm -hmm. of 
approaching women in person and asking for dates in person. And I know it's a pan during pandemic, it's different times, but in theory, um, I don't know. I don't know if you have a take on that or an opinion or it's just online the way things are done now. Oh yeah. I used to do it all the time. <laughs> I used to in person? do it all the time. Yeah. Um, pre pandemic, you know, when I would go to bars and stuff, I mean, um, it's always kind of nerve wracking, but I, I, I was pretty good at it in terms of when I, when I say pretty good, I mean, I was pretty good in terms because most people are horrible at it. So <laughs> I was a little bit better than horrible. You see what I mean? <laughs> that, that's, that's what I mean. You know, cause most guys are like, I'm going to get another drink. I'm going to go to the restroom first. You know? <laughs> and I would just go, I would just do it. You know, I was, I was very like forward like that. I made a ton of mistakes. I got blown out a ton of times, but once in a while I would have success. Right. Um, and it was fun, but, um, but no, I think dating, um, uh, what's uh, online dating. It's, it's here to stay. It's, yeah. it's here to stay. So you better get used to it. You know, like, sure. If you go to an event and happen to strike a great conversation with someone, that's probably better, you know, but you know, we, we're kind of still in the pandemic and yeah. it's just, it's, it's just weird. And for me now, I mean, it, it was, it worked a lot better in, in my twenties because you have, a, a, you have all this energy, but it takes a ton of energy when you go to bars and you approach one and you approach another one and then you go to another bar and like, I, right now, I'm like, I'm too old for this, you know? Oh, yeah. Especially now, I mean, it hits 10 o'clock at night and I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're an early riser, right? Uh, no, not super early, you know, maybe 7, 8 on most days. Oh, okay. Days. Cause you, yeah. I, I, I'm not you, like you, a 536. You, you used to wake used up to at be. 6, right? Or, or used to be, but I'm really big on eight hours of sleep. And I, I really, not to say you can't get that with uh, a six getting up at 6 a.m. schedule, but I tend to usually wind it down at 10. Maybe I get to bed by 11, maybe fall asleep by 12 sometimes. And I, I just try to hit that eight hour mark. I'm really mm -hmm. big on sleep. Good. Yeah, as, as you should. Good. I mean, I, I'm, I'm an, I've been an aspiring morning person for, for years, you know, so I, I always struggle with going to bed early and getting up early, but if I can get up, if, if I can wake up before eight and actually get up and doing stuff, I, I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> okay. So we're probably kind of similar. In a yeah. I had this job not too long ago where I was going to a school um, for, for two weeks momentarily and, and I had to get up at six every day and, and that was tough on me. <laughs> you know, it was difficult. Because I don't fall asleep. That my, my problem is not the getting up at six. My problem is I can never fall asleep before midnight. Yeah. Almost never, you know, so. Yeah. Sure. Now you have me thinking about downloading Bumble again at some point. What was that? I said, you have me thinking about, should I download Bumble again? And then, I, then I really won't get to bed at midnight. Oh yeah. Man, that will keep you it. up. At, that will keep you up until the wee hours of the morn. <laughs> yeah. Although Hinge has worked a lot better for me over the years than Bumble. Why Hinge? I don't know, but um, it just works better. I mean, the girls on Bumble are pretty flaky. Yeah. I, that's been my experience, you know. Um, Hinge, I, it's more a relationship-focused app. And I, I like, <laughs> hey, I'm not paid by Hinge, okay? This is free publicity, by the way. <laughs> but I like, the, I like their slogan in terms of, um, it says something like, the app designed to be deleted. Ah. Like, oh, that's clever, you know. 
So I think a lot of girls are looking for relationships and on Hinge, it's, that's more of the focus. So a lot of times they initiate and they're more interested in having a conversation, meeting up, getting to know you. But I don't know. That's just my take. Bumble, maybe it's more of an ego boost, you know. Tinder. That's been my experience. Uh, yeah, Tinder, you just probably don't want to go there. Yeah, Tinder. I've had some, a, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, it'll be so funny if this comes out. And you say, you know, hey, this isn't a paid publicity. And then all of a sudden you book a Hinge commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, hey, it worked. It worked. <laughs> My plan worked. Oh, uh, well, Daniel, man, we've been talking about it now here. Oh, uh, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. This right. is awesome, dude. This has felt so good to talk with you, man. I've yeah. Our conversations. Hopefully hey, we talk hey, again man. sooner than what it took us to do this. Oh, yeah. But uh, any, any time, man. I, yeah. I enjoyed it. So whenever you want to have another one, I'm I'm here. Yeah, you know, yeah, we definitely, uh, there's no, um, I look forward to bringing on, especially people I can have a really good conversation. I feel like we had a really good, just free flowing conversation mm -hmm. with you. I'd just like to end with maybe, and I know you always are reading books and you're really big on self-discipline, self-improvement, which are things that I'm really into. Is there anything maybe you can leave us with in any of those realms, whether it doesn't have to be like a bunch of stuff, but if there's a book you've read recently, if there's something a new habit you've picked up that has really you've seen improvement in your life with or anything you want to say <laughs> can in, be in anything. terms of giving advice to people or just, just, just something, maybe, yeah, maybe a takeaway a takeaway for people like that they can maybe add to their life might help them out well as this great expert i don't know um no um i mean i've always i've always had a an intuition for something that it's been sort of confirmed over the years, which has been the idea of the upward spiral or the downward spiral, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we feel anxious, we feel out of control, we feel like everybody else is doing better than we do, you know? And I think if we can just get to a place where we only compare ourselves to who we were yesterday and we only compare ourselves to ourselves, and if we can just start getting little things in order, this is kind of the idea that Jordan Peterson was saying about clean up, clean your room and, mm -hmm. and uh, compare that's actually another one of his rules, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today, you know? So, and it doesn't have to be Jordan Peterson. It could be anyone, but I'm just saying, because that could go into the whole political thing and, you know, but um, I'm just think that, and this is another sentence that Kobe used to say, like, control what you can. You know, there's lots of things that are outside of our control. So why worry about those things? Control about whether it's cleaning your room or your car or your house, whether it's exercising and getting healthier, whether it's reading more, um, working harder on your auditions or on getting auditions. Or, or improving yourself in order to date, you know, to <laughs> mature as a man or whatever the case may be, but there's always a lot of things that are in your control. So line them up and tackle them one by one. Brilliant. I love it. That's what I, yeah. I love it. I and it. if people were to want to follow you, oh. check you out, <laughs> your amazing commercials you've been in, eventually a hinge commercial one day. <laughs> yes, yes. Where should they follow you? Well, my Daniel J. Soba is my old, name actor name so that's my website daniel j silva but that's my instagram daniel j silva or i think it's at daniel john silva but you could find me by daniel j silva 
that's my Twitter, that's my Facebook, that's everything. And, and you'll see commercial, you'll see the little stuff I've done. So, yeah. Awesome. And I don't, not sure when I hit end if we'll lose. So if we can just do a quick picture. Picture. Smile right. or thumbs up or anything you want on the count of three. Okay. One, two, three. Perfect, man. Well, All right. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation, Sam. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You're an amazing guest. And yeah, definitely. We'll have to do something else in the future. I mean, uh, I really, I'm reminded why you and I connected early. Um, I really, I really value uh, our conversations and, you know, I have a lot of respect, you know, for your discipline and your work ethic. So. Well, thank you. And maybe, maybe we could start a book club or something. Sign me up. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll, I'll think about it and get back to you. Maybe we can get three or four of us together and, and, and get it going or a movie club, you know? Yeah. Movie, even just, well, shoot with this zoom, you can pick a new movie each month or a new book each month and just talk about it. Yeah. Let's do it. Great. And there okay. is Sam Dever book club on Instagram at Sam Dever <laughs> book club, but that's, that's just kind of books. I just post, but a book, actual book club with communication and talking would be, would be great. Cool. All right. Let's do it, Sam. Uh, it, great to see you and talk soon. Sounds good, brother. See you, Daniel. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.